Luke chapter number two and verse number 10, and this is our theme verse for the whole series. The title of this morning's uh, message is Advent Conspiracy, Spend Less, Spend Less. The Bible says in Luke chapter number two, verse number 10, and the angel of the Lord said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. Everybody say good news. Of great joy that will be for all people. Say all people. all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you brought us good news for all people. That Jesus Christ is born and he is alive. And so Lord, we thank you this morning that when we begin to embark on what you've called us to do. And as we spend less today... I pray that you would change our mindset and change the world we live in as we're able to give more next week. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated this morning. Now that's just a partial uh, of the whole text that I'm going to read this morning. So keep your hand in Luke chapter number 2. And we're going to begin to talk about the shepherds a little bit this morning. And last week we talked about the wise men and it was worship fully. And we talked about beginning to embark on an attitude of worship. Well, Last week we talked about just a portion of the part of worship. If you'll go on to finish reading Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, you'll realize what full worship entails. And we're going to finish that out this week and next week as we give more. The true art of worship is loving all and giving, giving everything of yourself, not just necessarily money. And so today as we begin to learn about the shepherds, I want you to hold your hand in Luke chapter number 2 and we're going to start in verse number 8. And we're going to read the next 12 verses through verse number 20. The Bible goes on to say, And in this same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is well pleased. And when the angels went away and went back and away from them and went back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what, had, at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things which they had seen as it has been told unto them. And so when we begin to talk about spending less this morning, we've always heard it said that the greatest gift ever given is this. It is only truly a gift when the person receiving it could never pay it back. It is only truly a gift when the person receiving it could never pay it back. That's the objective of Give More next week. We want to give to people who could never pay it back to us. The idea of giving is giving a gift that people would never be able to pay back as we begin to go forward with Advent Conspiracy. Many times when we see that saying or read that phrase, we think of giving a gift that they'll never be able to pay back. We always go to our mindset, which we, we begin to think, I do not have that much money, Pastor. Pastor, I don't have the money to buy some extravagant gift that somebody would never be able to pay back. The fact of the matter is it's not about giving more money. It's about giving yourself. Spending less is not about giving more money. It's not about spending less on yourself. In fact, it has nothing to do with the cash value at all. It has everything to do with you. Giving more and spending less is not about how much money you have in your pocket. The fact of the matter is to truly spend less 
you spend more of yourself. To truly spend less, you spend more of yourself. And I want to challenge you this morning to find a purpose in your giving this Christmas. Find a purpose in your giving. I love those of you who volunteered to bake cookies over the next week. And we have 154 dozen cookies coming. And I'm just excited to see that many cookies. I mean, that's pretty awesome. And I'm excited that I'm going to get to eat some of those cookies. That's pretty awesome. But in this process, you understood that giving was more than just going to Walmart and buying a dozen cookies. You understood it's going to take time, effort, energy for you to open up your oven, open up your home on a Saturday afternoon when you could be doing a lot of other stuff. You're going to have to spend less, but you're going to give more. And so to give a gift that nobody can truly pay is truly what a gift is all about. Now, I want to recap of where this account starts out. And the Bible says it starts out with a bunch of shepherds. Now, I want to ask you a question. Why does God choose to reveal himself in all his glory to this type? And notice I put emphasis on the word type of people. Because when God began to give, he didn't spend less of his glory. But the fact of the matter is, he spent just the same amount of glory that he ever would have spent revealing himself to anybody else. But he spent it on a type of people that the world considered less. He spent it on a type of people that the world was not too fond of. If you'll remember back in the time when the Israelites were in captive in Egypt, they were shepherds. They were a disgrace to the Egyptian people. The Egyptians wanted them to go, and then they wanted them to stay, and then they wanted them to go, and then they chased them because they wanted them to stay. But then they finally left. But shepherding by no means is a noble, it was not a noble task. All those great beautiful pictures of you see with these spotless, clean shepherds holding this beautiful white lamb. Have y'all ever worked on a farm before? Have you ever seen anything like that in your life? Absolutely not. Shepherding was not by any means a noble task. It was not by any means a clean task. It was, in fact, a tiresome task. It was a very dirty task. And the fact of the matter is you smelled just like the animals you were keeping. Amen. So even for God to reveal himself to shepherds, people that, people that nobody in the world wanted to be around, for God to reveal himself he didn't spend less of his glory, but he spent his glory on what the world considered less of a person. And the shepherds gathered together and said, let's go. Let's go see what we've just been told about. And I'm, the question I'm going to ask you this morning is, why did God choose to spend his glory on what the world considered less? Have you ever noticed that any time God was going to do something amazing in the Bible, he called upon a shepherd? When he was going to deliver his people out of the land of Egypt, he called upon Moses who was a shepherd, a herdsman at the time. And he became the greatest deliverer in the history of the Bible. Whenever God needed a kingdom established, he called upon a shepherd boy named King David. And so he established a kingdom with a shepherd. And I began to look at this and I said, God, why do you always pick shepherds? Why? I mean, if it's not the most noblest to task, and if they're not the most skilled people, if they're not the most, the, the most qualified people, why do you choose to spend your glory on what the world would consider less. And as you begin to study the life of a shepherd, and I can summarize it into three main words this morning, the life of a shepherd involved just three things. Purpose, passion, and promise. Purpose, passion, and promise. God revealed himself to a type of people that understood purpose. The purpose of a shepherd was one thing, and his whole life was encompassing on it, and it's the whole purpose of his life was to give life to the sheep. It was to make sure the sheep had life. And we all love to read this common verse of scripture and it's the quintessential verse that summarizes what a shepherd is and it's Psalms number 23. And we love to think about it because we think God is the great shepherd. 
And that's what it's talking about. But I want you to think just for a moment, not as God the shepherd and as us the sheep, but as a man and an animal. And the purpose that it shows, because this is written because it understood what a shepherd was about. Listen as I read this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green, green pastures. He leads me beside still quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now if you think of God and us, that is a beautiful, poetic scripture and it's amazing to think of the anointing in that scripture but if you think of it as a man and an animal this lines out the job description of a shepherd this lines out the purpose of the life of a shepherd now listen it starts out the job of a shepherd is to lead the job of a shepherd is to restore. The job of a shepherd is to guide. The job of a, of a shepherd is to comfort. The job of a shepherd is to prepare. The, go, the job of a shepherd is to um, anoint. And the job of a shepherd is to make sure the goodness follows them. Shepherds understood purpose. They had a singular purpose in mind. Damon, shepherds didn't grow up learning another vocation. Shepherds grew up learning how to shepherd. Shepherds grew up learning that this is what I do. If my sheep are thirsty, I'd lead them by still quiet waters. Why does it say still quiet waters? Because sheep are easily scared. And if they brought them by a rushing river, the flock would scatter. So it was the job of the shepherd not to find a raging river, but still quiet waters. Whenever you need refreshing from God, he doesn't bring you to a raging river or drop you in the middle of the ocean. He brings you to a quiet time of refreshing. He understood purpose. The shepherd understood purpose. The Bible says it guides him in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It guides the sheep in the paths where they can be okay or better than okay. See, the job of a shepherd was to lead them in paths where they were secure from all harm, where they were secure in their life, where they were secure in everything. See, shepherds understood purpose, and they had a singular purpose in this life, and that was to make sure the sheep that they were tending had life. Shepherds understood purpose. I want to ask you this morning, when is the last time you did something for somebody else on purpose? You know, we always use the term on purpose in a bad way. It's like, well, he did it on purpose. He meant to be mean. When you have little kids, you understand on purpose. When you were a kid, you did something to somebody pretty mean probably on purpose. I have two older brothers. They did a bunch of stuff mean to me on purpose. And I have a younger sister, and they did a bunch of mean stuff to her on purpose. And Damon even broke her big toe. <laughs> Little toe, I'm sorry. Don't you love how I exaggerate the story? Big toe. On purpose. But when is the last time we flipped the script as a believer? When is the last time we flipped the script as a believer and said, hey, listen, this Christmas I'm fixing to do something on purpose for somebody else to change their life. I'm going to find somebody that I can lead into a quiet, refreshing place. I'm going to find somebody that needs a handout this Christmas and I'm going to find a way to purpose in my heart to make sure they have what they need so they can have peace at least one day out of the year this year. Bring them to the still quiet waters. Restore their soul. When is the last time we purposed in our heart that I'm going to be in a soul-restoring mindset this week? Anytime I see somebody troubled by fear, anger, anxiety, depression, I'm going to do whatever it takes to restore their soul. Bring their mind, will, and emotions to a place of peace. 
I'm going to restore their soul. He comforts. He guides. There's purpose. I'm going to challenge you as spend less is about giving something more than money. It's giving of yourself. When is the last time you did something on purpose for somebody else? This is why next week is so big for me. I'm going to on purpose do something for somebody else. Not because I'm a pastor. Not because two other churches have joined with us and we're doing this great Advent conspiracy to bring unity among the believers at Christmas time. No, I'm going to do something on purpose for somebody who can't do it for themselves. And I'm not going to do it as Pastor Joel. I'm going to do it as Joel. I'm going to do it as me. Crazy as I can be, I'm going to do it as me. I'm not going to dress pretty and I'm not going to uh, flaunt anything. I'm going to go up. I'm going to show up just me because I'm laying everything aside because I got one purpose. That's to give of myself to change somebody else's life. I want to see somebody in a nursing home get a gift that they would have never have gotten. I want to see somebody in the hospital, their face light up because they're like, you know, thought I was going to be all alone this Sunday night because all my other family's at church. But instead, we're going to be the church and we're going to go out into the hospitals and we're going to do it on purpose. And so that's why I'm challenging you today. Make a decision today on purpose that you're going to be there next Sunday. Because if you don't make a decision today on purpose, something's going to come up between now and next Sunday. And you're going to on purpose choose not to be there because you didn't purpose on purpose to be there today. (laughs) Does Does that make sense? You notice if you don't do something on purpose, something else always gets in the way of that purpose. So as the shepherds understood, their main quality was they knew their purpose. The next thing about shepherds is, man, they had passion. They had passion. Shepherds understood what passion was. Now, let me give you the definition of passion before I read this next scripture text. The definition of passion is this. A cause that is greater than your own life that you are willing to live for and then die for if necessary. Finding a cause that is greater than your own life that you are willing to live for and then die for if necessary. Shepherds understood passion. I want to read to you. This is one of my favorite verses of scripture. This is when King David, a shepherd, was before the king and Goliath was out there shouting at the people saying, is there anybody of the kingdom of Israel who will come and fight me? He was shouting and and screaming at Israel day in and day out. He'd come out. Little shepherd boy finally got tired of this mess. Little shepherd boy who understood purpose got tired of this mess and a little bit of passion rose up on the inside of him. At this point, he wasn't worried about his own life, I promise. Because you don't go before a king the way he went before a king, number one, because you could get killed. Then you don't go before a guy who's nine feet tall, number two, because then you can get killed. (laughs) And so he understood passion. Now listen to how passionate he is. This is 1 Samuel 17, verse 34. And but David said to King Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or there came a bear and, I, and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and I delivered him from the mouth. And if he rose up against me, I caught him by his beard and I struck him and I killed him. Your servant has struck down both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this uncircumcised Philistine. Now, can you understand a 15-year-old shepherd boy? I mean, rising up with such passion. There had to be something different about him. There had to be something crazy different about him, Cody, because what king of a nation would let a 15-year-old boy, passionate as can be, run up before him in his kingdom and say, I'm going to take down the biggest giant in the world. See, passion is finding a cause greater than your own life and living for it. See, a lot of Christians think that passion is dying for Jesus. No, passion is living for Jesus. 
Passion is not just saying, if somebody came in and put a gun to my head, I would say I would die for Jesus. <laughs> right? That's what we all think about. No, if you really got passion for something, you're going to go live for it first. Because you can't die for something you have not lived for. And listen, you will not die for something you have not lived for. And until you begin to live for something with passion, you'll never die for something in passion. And when we as the body of Christ will begin to understand passion, passion the way, listen, a shepherd boy had passion for a, a sheep. I mean, I, I find this, this mind-boggling. I mean, how many of y'all have ever had cows in your life? Some of you are like, hey, that's my bread and butter, and that's where you're getting your tithes from, hush. <laughs> I bless you, in Jesus' name. And you know when you hear the coyotes howling out in the forest at night, or the woods, back behind your property, you have these thoughts in your head. wonder if the calves are okay. Now, a coyote is nowhere close to a lion or a bear. And in fact, they run because they're scared. But still the same passion exists between a farmer and his calves that you will stay out there all night with a shotgun and you will start picking off coyotes just because you hear them in the distance because you're passionate about giving life because there's purpose in that life. In your life this morning, what are you passionate about? Not what you're willing to die for. What are you living for right now? See, most Christians don't have joy in their life because you're not passionate about something. And I'm not even saying passionate about church. I'm saying find a cause for Christ and be passionate about it. I mean, there's a bunch of different causes to be passionate about in the kingdom of God. But most Christians walk around with no purpose because they've never found a passion. And I'm going to challenge you next week as you're going to Davis Street Baptist Church at 4 o'clock on purpose. Don't do it grumbling. Don't show up there thinking, well, I just can't wait to get this done because it's looking like it's going to rain. I'm just, I, just I, don't, I can't believe I committed to do this. And don't come up there with that. Won't you come up there passionate about changing somebody's life? It's not about how quick you can get your bags delivered, but how long can you stay in one room and pray with somebody? It's not about how quick you can hand out 50 to 100 gift bags and say, oh, we did such a good deed. Passion is not about how quick you do something. It's about staying the course for the long haul. And to stay passionate about it. And maybe you only give out one bag, but you change the heart of an elderly lady who hadn't had a visitor in three weeks. And, and you say, but, but Joel, I, my gifting ain't old people. Some of you are like, that's kind of rude. I hear people say that. My gifting ain't old people. I hear people say, my gifting ain't kids. I understand all that. But you can be passionate for two hours about an old person. You can be passionate two hours about a kid. You can be passionate two hours about anything. I saw some of y'all passionate yesterday about football games on, a co on college football games on TV that you don't even know anybody on that team. <laughs> You're just happy certain teams lost. Whoop, whoop, me too. You're happy certain teams won. Yeah, whoop, whoop. And all the Baylor Bear fans are excited and all the UT fans are mad this morning. <laughs> but you're passionate about you, something you don't even know. These are people in our own town. These are people in our own city. These are people in our own hospital. And you want to know what Jesus said? He was so passionate about it. He said this, whenever you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. And the person said, but Jesus, when did we go see you? He said, remember the sick person that you went and visited. Remember when I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Jesus said, whenever you did it to any of these people, you did it to me. So you're not walking in that room looking to worship fully, because it's part of worship fully, to an old person. You're walking in that room ministering to Jesus. You're walking in that room <laughs> ministering to Jesus. How are you going to carry that bag in there? How are you going to carry this bag? Because Dame more fix to give it to Jesus. You're not going to walk in there and say, hey, I'm so glad you're here. I'm Damon. I'm Joel. Good to meet you. Hey, Merry Christmas. Holla. 
I don't like old people, remember, I just did my good deed. You're going to give it to Jesus. You're giving it to your Savior. Remember, whenever you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me, Jesus said. So when you get this bag, and next Sunday you're walking in there with your kids, and your kids are like, Mommy and Daddy, I really don't want to be here. You can stop them and say, we're bringing this to Jesus. And the Bible says, whenever we go and do unto the least of these, we're doing it unto Jesus. Now I heard some of you guys singing and worshiping this morning, and you did very good, and I loved hearing it. Bring that same intensity into the room of an elderly person. See how it changes their life. Bring that same intensity into the room of a hospital patient. See how it changes their life. Well, pastor, they're going to want to talk a while. Don't you want to sit down and talk with Jesus a while? Well, well, pastor, I don't really know anything about him. Well, most of us don't really know a lot about Jesus. And I'm not trying to be ugly, but we don't. So let's sit down and talk a while. I'm going to ask you to do something with passion. People, shepherds, understood purpose. They understood passion. And lastly, they understood promise. Faithful servants can be entrusted with the promises of God. Shepherds understood that the tireless nights and the long days were not the promise. But being good stewards of what they were given will lead you to the promised results. Some of you guys are sitting here saying, God, I really just wish you would come through for me. Why don't you come through for somebody else? Why don't I come through for somebody else? And some of y'all are thinking, well, pastor, you do so good on Sunday morning. I'm talking about taking my pastor hat off, taking the church ministry out, doing something that we're not paid to do. Do it with passion. Do it with purpose. See, shepherds could be entrusted with the promises of God because they knew the promise wasn't the end result, but the promise would lead to the results that they were looking for. And when they could be entrusted with the flock, they knew if they could bring life to the flock on purpose, they knew if they would minister to the flock with passion, they would see the results that God promised when you take care of the flock. God wants to bring results into your life. He wants to answer your prayers. He really does. But God's trying to get you, remember, outside of your box and build a bridge. Because when we can be the blessing to somebody else, God's going to open up the doors to let blessing flow through us and keep going through us and not stop going through us. We need to be entrusted with the promises of God. Listen, the angel came to them and said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Do you realize that this is the first time God broke his silence and the heavens split open to reveal himself to the peop- all people. Now, I know an angel came earlier and talked to Mary and Joseph and it broke silence, but this is the first time God began to reveal himself to all people, not come to specific people with specific tasks. He entrusted the shepherds, the shepherds, the ignoble, the dirty, the, the ones that we consider less. He spent his glory on the shepherds and he gave them the promise of the gospel. The good news, that's what gospel means. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For you today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born, Christ, the anointed one, the Lord. So the angels came, and they entrusted the shepherds with a promise. Now, remember at the beginning of my message when I said, whenever God has done something amazing in his kingdom, he always called upon a shepherd? He called upon Moses and he became the great deliverer. He called upon David and he became the the shepherd boy that became the king. Well, God was about to do the most amazing thing ever in the kingdom of God. So God didn't call upon a shepherd. He said, I'm going to come down and be the shepherd. See, some of y'all just missed that. God didn't decide to call upon a shepherd. He said, I'm going to become the shepherd. John chapter number 10, verse number 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
He goes on to say in verse number 14, my sheep know my voice and they follow it because I am the good shepherd. God didn't say I'm going to call upon somebody now. He said I'm fixing to come down and be somebody. And listen, when Jesus came, he didn't come with no purpose. He came on purpose, with a purpose, to complete a purpose. And he did it with great passion because he understood the promise. He understood where it was going. If you'll begin to understand where things are going, it'll give you a purpose to do it with passion. And you can be a carrier of the promises of God. Jesus decided, I'm going to come down and take care of this business myself. I understand the purpose of a shepherd. I understand the, the passion of a shepherd. And you know what? When I read about David and Moses and all the other shepherds, it doesn't surprise me why Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Because shepherds understood purpose. Shepherds understood passion. And shepherds understood the promise. Jesus himself is the promised Messiah. The shepherd, the light of the world, the bright morning star, the lily of the valley. He's the one who came for you and for me. The shepherd came with purpose. His purpose was one purpose. That was you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to come into this earth and be a shepherd. And he came with a purpose. Jesus said, I have come. Okay? Whenever he says, I have come, this he's telling you the reason he was here. He said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost, was his purpose. Is there any doubt how he did it? <laughs> he did it with passion. Remember what I said about the definition of passion? Passion is not dying for something. Passion is living for something that you think is greater than yourself, and if necessary, you'll die for it. Amen. Jesus lived with great passion. And you know what? I shudder to think that I was on his mind during the midst of passion week. And we emphasize passion week, but I emphasize passion life, that he came from the throne of heaven to a manger with passion for Joel. He lived a life here on this earth for 33 years with passion for me. And don't think he didn't understand what his purpose was because at the age of 12, he was in the temple and his parents came looking for him. He said, don't you know I need to be about my father's business? He did it with passion. He knew the scriptures. He understood the crucifixion. He wasn't ignorant. And yet he lived it with passion. And that what he lived with passion, he died with passion. Because you know what he said when he was on the cross? Father, forgive him. Lord Jesus, and I can't go to a nursing home. I can't walk into a hospital room and give a gift bag. See, the greatest decision you can make this morning is not to become a wise man, but to become a shepherd. To live a life that has purpose. To live a life with passion. To carry out the promise of God.